Thank you for tuning in to the number one podcast to keep you updated on climate, energy, and space. I am Joseph Carrier, and my friends and I have been studying these three topics for a full semester. We've created cipher analyses, um, a SWOT analysis, timelines, a, a fringe sketch, a website, videos. Now we have a podcast. So definitely check all that out if you want to get a full, um, full-on information brief of everything that we've researched. We have evaluations that we've done from a midpoint in our research and then um, in the beginning of our research and one at the end. So definitely check those all out. Today, I'll be talking more about policies, government, and law, and how that relates to climate change. Now, don't get, don't, don't, don't pause it and get too bored, because um, I won't bore you with all the legal jargon, but all I want to say is that climate change and law, they're basically like two peas in a pod. Now, let's play a little game of would you rather. Would you rather get up for work and hop in your sailboat to get to work? Or would you rather live in a world where all the cars are fully electric, fully automated, and are able to drive themselves to work and possibly eliminate the traffic altogether? Now, you can always reach out to me and tell me the answer, but I think I believe um, or I would know which one you would choose. First, I want to say that air pollution is a rights-based issue and... I think that law is a tool for positive change. Air pollution affects the climate and violates the rights to life and health, the rights of a child, and the right to a safe, clean, healthy, and sustainable environment. What do you think would happen if a government, what do you think would happen if a government failed to protect their citizens? Well, that's when courts would step in and they would act as a kind of checks and balances system to make sure that the government is acting in a way to protect their citizens. Now, as I was doing my research, I kept noticing a common theme that all of these scholars referred to as the Paris Agreement. Now, from my research, I found that this is quite possibly the most important agreement regarding climate change. This agreement is legally binding and it works on a five year cycle. And it basically, it basically is an agreement where parties in the United Nations need to set goals for themselves like to keep the global temperatures below a certain limit and control their carbon emitting and their greenhouse gas use. And it works on a five-year cycle. So every five years, the requirements will intensify and all of the parties involved will need to be transparent and say what they have accomplished, say what they haven't accomplished, and that's basically how this agreement works. Unfortunately, 
there's a huge problems with a huge problem with countries failing to accomplish their goals, sometimes breaching their contracts, not posting their progress, and possibly ignoring these responsibilities because they have other things that they have been prioritizing and they just couldn't get it all done or they didn't have the finance to do it. But hopefully in the next five years, they'll be able to figure out their financials and um, get their economics right and their mindset right so that they can they can start to accomplish the goals that they set for themselves. But hold on now, I think change is coming. And I'll tell you how I know that. The United Nations Climate Change Conference was just a few days ago. And surprisingly, it went really well. I'll attach the link to an article um, posted by the UNFCCC and it basically describes everything that happened in the climate change conference. Um, so within this conference, it, it had a lot to do with funding, funding for developing countries who have been hit really hard by climate change and who have been neglected up to this point. Um, and also, they have a $3.1 billion plan to protect everyone who may need it for um, if people need help after catastrophes that were caused by climate change and things like that. So <clears throat> another thing they're also moving forward with after this agreement is they are they're focusing more on adaptation because people people need the help already and it's not just in the future people will need help um a lot of people have been relocated and have lost their homes due to climate change so they're gonna focus more on adapting and providing resilience to these areas who are most vulnerable to climate change um, now I know this sounds like, what, what if they don't listen again? I, I tend to have faith that every year it will become more serious as more people really start to have concern for our home because we'll start to see it in front of our own eyes and that will be a scary time and hopefully it starts to have an impact moving on from this good thing we have superheroes to defeat these villains who do not want to get with the times and save the world they're one of my favorites they're called client earth and client earth if any of you are listening thank you thank you thank you for the wonderful work you've done and keep it up states that do not wish to protect their citizens and do not see climate change as a serious issue will soon encounter a force called Client Earth. And I want to read their mission statement to you and I'll quote it. 
They are a global environmental charity using the power of law to protect people and the planet. They, they are international lawyers working together to find practical solutions for the issues that affect the whole world. Now, come on, tell me that doesn't sound like a superhero. For example, if a company were to try and build an, a new carbon emitting power plant, Client Earth would bring a case against them for failing to adopt um, to climate change. Failing to adapt to the impacts of climate change, rather. And the claims would include the not just the company or the business themselves, it would be the people that helped to build the plant, which are the um, the engineers and the professional services that help them because they are designing their infrastructure in a way that would not accommodate future climate conditions. So in the coming years, I think that you could find a lot more businesses getting in trouble or in a bad position legally or financially if they if they don't start to hop on the train because the government has goals that they have to, f- to fulfill so if, if these businesses are not um working with the government then something needs to be done there and more teamwork needs to happen The types of claims that they could have against them are failing to mitigate impacts of climate change under public and private nuisance, negligence, failure to warn, trespass, and unjust enrichment laws. I think in order to come up with a really good solution for climate change and to help the future, I think it's going to start with groups like news and information so that they can they can spread the word and relay important important information about climate change and getting everyone rallied up together artificial intelligence is going to be really important because they are going to invent predictive technologies automation emotional support if anyone would need that and the I just think the uses for artificial intelligence go on and on telecommunications and computing is a group that we're also going to need in the coming years to keep us safe and um, keep us all connected together ag tech and biotech is going to be very very helpful for climate change because they are going to find new ways to plant food because our crops are already seeing a decrease and food prices are going up so if there's ways to print food or just so many things that they could help out with the future and other groups like policy government and security for everything I talked about today like regulations government assistance and more stuff like that. I like to end this podcast with some takeaways from doing this research with my team. I want to live out my my life on this earth 
without worrying about New Jersey looking like Atlantis in 50 years. Not only that, but kids born now will probably thank us in the future for helping them and saving the earth. And lastly, I'd like to thank everyone in my team, Gina Deludio, Priya Prajamati, and Vassel Juanites. Thank you everyone for helping put the website together and um, really just working as a team. And I think we did a really good job. So thank you everyone. And as always, thank you for listening. This has been We Can't Handle the Heat, the number one podcast to keep you updated on climate, energy, and space.